So, but but once those pads come on, Tevin Jenkins is a son of a bitch. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> oh, that was good. There is that the Bears' offense is just like Tony's Wi-Fi, which is uh, struggling. Um. <laughs> Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. We are here a couple of days after the draft because we needed to sleep. <laughs> it was nice. But also, we wanted to do this recap show a couple of days after so we can kind of dig into the actual draft prospects, the guys that we like, some guys that we think maybe need to be in this system. Um, I know a lot of people are talking the same type of guys that they didn't like kind of what they saw on, on tape and kind of is more of a projection. We'll talk about some of those guys. We'll also talk a little bit about some of the UDFA signings that the Bears were able to make over the last while. Some of the other guys will be joining us um, during the show as well. But what we wanted to do is kind of go through some of, obviously, the main players that the Bears have drafted. There's 10 players in total this year. There was 11 last year. And while we have on, like, we've, put up there what we think of kind of the draft class overall. But I also think it's important that it's not just going to be a grading system. No, I don't know about you. For me, I like to think of this as how many starters you got out of a draft class or your projected starters, how many players you project to be contributors. And then actually the most important thing I think for the draft class is how many of those players in the draft class will make the 53-man roster. That's how we're today going to be kind of giving I guess grades out rather than a b c d e because uh, I don't know about you I've been reading uploads and the funniest is I keep going back to like Mel Kuyper and all them and the lowest grade is a b minus and I'm like like you, you just for me I'm like I'd love to be in that class if I was getting a b minus and I was the worst in the class that's all good but yeah look we'll we're gonna be talking about some of these guys and obviously we did I think in total, like 17 or 18 hours streaming. So obviously covering the entire draft, it was fun. But now it's time fully focused on the Bears. I guess whatever it is, four days, five days after the fact. How are you feeling overall about the Bears 2023 draft class? Yeah, look, it's great to be back on. As you say, it was it was a great weekend. We got quite a few hours in, and you know, a bit of chat there. But it was it was well worth it for me. Just looking at the class, I, I really like it. You know, there are a couple of players in there as you mentioned, maybe projected more as kind of you know projects. How they kind of you're hoping they'll have a better you know professional career than they did college. But but there's something that was obviously seen in them. We see a lot of these players have very similar traits. They're they're big, they're strong, they're athletic, they're long. Most of them, you know, so so we, there's kind of a, a a type is as in the players that were brought in, which is exciting. But I mean, I think I mean I'm happy with the players they brought in, and I think even later on in the draft, the Bears got some really good players in positions where maybe you thought they may not have been there. But again, like you, it's it's very hard to say. Well, this is an A and this is a B because it's I I kind of. 
like you read all that kind of stuff and I was kind of thinking about it and who am I to put an A or a B on things? As you say, you just look at players and you see, you know, can you project who's going to be able to go out there and start, who's going to be a contributor, maybe whether even if it's originally, you know, if it's on special teams rather than actually straight away going into that starting role, but who can still give something. We look at what the Bears did last season, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, players they drafted made that 53 including some undrafted free agents as well so we know these guys will get a fair chance now it's just you know we look at who can actually make that step up and and project the way that the bears obviously saw them going so it's fun for me it's once you get the draft gone now it gets really exciting because you start going through that 53 in your head who's going to make it will he make it will he make it i can't wait to see him so yeah look i'm, I'm delighted to be back it was a nice little rest after the draft but Diving back into it now is just, it's, it's exciting, you know? Yeah, this is, and I always say, yes, it's fun to cover the draft. It's fun to cover free agency. And obviously that comes with like people get very invested in those two sections because it's where you finally get your team to be better, right? The, the newness of it. But I actually prefer projecting when the football is actually going to start because that's what we're all here for. We all enjoy watching the games and now we're slow we're finally in the stage of where the majority of the roster build up is done obviously we expect a couple of signings here and there obviously with the bears having the number one waiver priority that helps but i think right now is where it actually becomes fun because we can actually talk with a roster that's going to be there for the bears and look yes eric as i put this up there I'm here to apply for the Roshan fan club. Am I in the right place? Yes, you are in the right place. You are indeed. Uh, the Roshan Johnson fan club will be up and running very, very soon here. It's been, look, obviously, and we're going to get straight into it. And obviously, we'll talk about kind of, we'll get the kind of obvious one out of the way, right? I think it's, we're not going to have to spend too much time talking about Darnell Wright because, Again, we've spoken quite at length about him, but also there's only so much that you can say about a guy that has been uber impressive. And look, I went back and I wanted to look at more because I wanted to be able to project this offensive line and be like, how comfortable can we be? I feel very, very comfortable with Darnell Wright, especially listening to some people that cover offensive lines in general in the NFL talking about Darnell Wright. But one of the more interesting ones that I had was I listened to an interview that Lewis Riddick did on, on ESPN three days before the draft and said that the Bears at nine should take Darnell Wright because he could end up being the best player in the entire draft when it all comes to it. And I look at this, I kind of compare that with the statistical analysis of we always talk about kind of 50% for first round picks end up being bust. And actually offensive tackle is one of the few positions where there's actually a lower bust rate compared to some of the other positions but i go back and i look at what darnell wright brings and what the bears clearly wanted they wanted length on the outside they also wanted and we heard from ryan pose one of the things that they wanted to invest in was better pass pro and that's something that it's very strange for an offensive tackle coming into the nfl because normally we say they're a really good run blocker, but they need to kind of improve a little bit on pass pro. But actually, Darnell Wright is the opposite, where he excelled within pass protection, which is clearly the reason why they targeted him. 
but also he has that length. He has the aggressiveness that we look for. But to a certain point, I've been listening to m- many of the interviews that Darnell Wright has given. And I like the fact that he says that the minute that the game is starts, he has, he turns it on. But that he's not always going to be like that, not always going to be this SOB. But what I like is when you see it on the field, you see that aggressiveness. You see that tenacity. I liked when he said that if somebody hits Justin Lay, that we're going to meet each other in the parking lot or whatever. I, I like that type of thing. And then when you project it for the rest of them, I think there's a lot of ifs on the offensive line, right? Like if Tevin Jenkins can stay healthy. If Tevin Jenkins can stay healthy, that right side of the offensive line could be nasty this year. But after just watching a bunch of Darnell Wright, what I like is that he went up against some of the best pass rushers in kind of college football this past season, and he excelled against them. Like other first-round picks, Will Anderson, Brian Brissy were two in particular where I think he did really, really well against. And while that doesn't mean when it comes to the NFL, he's a guaranteed kind of going to be great from the start, it gives you a much better kind of, I guess, baseline of where he can be. And that's what made me comfortable looking back and looking at what they did with this first round pick. I feel like they got it right. I don't feel like, and that is a good pun right there. I just thought of that there. Um, But also the fact is when when we get first round picks, I think everybody's so nervous. The fact that, oh, is this guy going to be a bust? He's one of the few guys in that first round that I'm like, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a success in Chicago. And when you hear all these kind of gurus on the offensive line saying he could be a potential pro ball or all pro right tackle, that's exactly what the Bears have been looking for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm with you on this. He's, you know, he's that kind of guy. He's a big, tough, strong mauler. Like, like you, I love that comment about, you know, taking somebody out to the car park if, if they hit Justin. And it does kind of remind what we loved in Tevin Jenkins a couple of years ago. Again, that nastiness that you do want from an offensive player. Now, obviously, you don't want too much in terms of penalties and stuff, but you want them to be tough. And as you say, if things pan out, that could be a really tough that right side of the line could be really tough and fun to watch. But he is, he's, he's a young player. You know, a lot of people projected him. Maybe a, a lot of people had them as their kind of their second tackle. Um, I know I was one of the guys who was looking at Paris Johnson, but I mean, this guy is, he's athletic, he's strong. And it's for me, I also like the fact that he played right tackle last year. So you're not going to have to worry about, well, do I have to move him to their side? Will he adapt to that? He's played right tackle last year. He can just slot in at right tackle. We can leave Braxton Jones then to continue his development, who had a good first year, and hopefully he'll develop from there and move on. And if you have those two young guys on either side of the line developing together, they could be here for years to come. And he does look like the kind of player who could just slot in. And as you say, you don't know for sure, but when he went up against top, top talent over the last two seasons, he stood up more than good enough against all of these guys and while it doesn't guarantee anything it is a sign that he has i think he gave up no sacks last year which yeah you know is, ridiculous is great. you know and it's important for us because obviously just this is a big year for justin fields and the investment in justin fields you know you want that after this season we know well i think a lot of us know he's the quarterback but you want it absolutely sorted that Justin Fields is the quarterback on forward and we do need to give him all the, the chances that we can to become that player 
And I think when you have somebody on the, the line like Darnell Wright, I think that that's a great move. And I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. But again, look, we, we'll see it on the field. But for me, I'm, I'm happy with the Spurs' choice. I think it was an important position of need. I think the Bears clearly knew what they wanted from the start. While we were all wondering, would they take Carter? What's happening? The Bears seemed to know exactly what they wanted. And I trust Ryan Poles as an offensive lineman, you know, and Ian Cunningham, that they know what they're looking at. They know what they're evaluating and they know what they want. And he clearly is what they wanted. So for me, yeah, good move. It's it's We, we talked about it. It may not be the sexy move, but it's the solid move. And it's the good move to get a player who could be there for years to come in that position. Yeah, it's the important one. It's the one that, like, regardless of if you believed in Justin Fields or if you didn't, I always say, and we can we can see this across the National Football League, the teams that have the best offensive lines tend to actually have the best offenses. And that's what I think has been really, really important. Like, we talk with the Lions, right? And we, we kind of slag off how bad Jared Goff actually is as a quarterback, which is true. He's not a good quarterback. But why are they successful? Because their offensive line was one of the best in football last year. And that's where their baseline is for the offense. This allows you to finally... Like this is the first like genuine guy, really. Him and Braxton Jones are the only ones that have key links to the organization. I guess now with Nate Davis being like a free agent signing as well. But it's the starting point of building this offensive line. Like I'd be fine if let's say we see what Justin does this year. He's let's say he's successful this year. You've two first round picks, and let's say you're not in a position to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Right, because every Bears fan wants that. I'm fine going edge rusher and left tackle or another offensive lineman in the first round because I think that's kind of what you're looking for going forward is building this the right way. I think that's what you have to be able to do in order to have success in the NFL on offense. And that's why I think this was the perfect decision for the Bears. And look, I think at this point in time, you got to be happy with what they've done. This whole he's not a left tackle, he's a right tackle argument now. I think it's kind of outdated because we see teams with two really good edge rushers now. So it doesn't really matter. Um, what you hope for is that Braxton Jones can continue to get stronger, can deal with the bull rush. And if he's able to do that, you feel pretty good about your tackles moving forward. Cause you'd have two guys on rookie contracts, which is a very important inf- like section of this. Right. So overall, that's kind of, that's kind of the main one in terms of the first round. Now, instead of just going through these kind of individual to individual, right? What I want to get your opinion on first and all is thinking back now on, we'll focus this on some of the days, right? So day two, there was three guys that were selected, right? We got two defensive tackles and Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter um, senior. And also we got Tyreek Stevenson. Now, I know a lot of people when you hear kind of different media members talk about what's the biggest concern going into from this draft class. And everybody mentions the defensive tackle. So we're going to mention these guys as one, because I think this is an important scenario because we can ask the question, what's your biggest concern about this draft class? I think everybody has the same answer, right? It's all going to be, well, how are these two defensive tackles going to fare in the next level? So I want to start off with Jervon Dexter because that seems to be the key uh, talking point from most people. And I went back today and spent a lot of time 
watching Jervon Dexter, listening to like beat reporters for Florida. We had kind of Kalen Jones, who again at the collegiate level anyway, is very close to the Florida program. He was on the show on on what was it Thursday night from the campus there. Um and the one thing that I would say is people do need to kind of relax a little bit about Jervon Dexter and that he can't transition to kind of what the Bears are looking for because he can't I listen to a lot of people that know a lot about kind of defensive line play. And there's just such a big contrast between playing in a two gap system versus what the bears play is, which is a one gap system. It's essentially when you're playing in the two gap system, you're being asked to mirror what the offensive line is doing. Right. So like you need to make sure that you know exactly where the ball is going. You need to move. It's more kind of movement from side to side. And then obviously if you get the chance to then go north south, you can do that. But like obviously people's biggest concern is going to be that get off, right? Like, can he get off faster? Well, the thing is, it's very difficult to to tell based on the tape because he was never really asked to do that in Florida. In Florida, it was always kind of diagnose what the offensive line is giving you. And that's where you see him for like, an extra split second kind of wait in a stance and then see where what the offense is giving you and i found that interesting but also everybody seems to think it's a negative right because the one thing is even when you're in that one gap system and they do want you kind of going after the football and going after the quarterback you still need to be able to diagnose what the offensive line is doing what the offense is doing and for a guy his awareness will be better when he going from kind of a two-gap system to a one in terms of what the offensive line is giving you. Because if you're always in that kind of one-gap system where you're constantly trying to shoot off the line, get into the backfield and get a sack or get a tackle for a loss, it means that you actually aren't spending a lot of your time trying to diagnose the play, which is important because you hear defensive linemen in the NFL say, don't go anywhere too fast, right? Because if you go if you go somewhere too fast, you could often miss what's happening. And we actually saw that for the Bears this year or last year. Just go back to that Giants game. Everybody, you saw Brisker coming in at the side, trying to rush in, trying to blitz. And what was happening, right? Fake every single time because they weren't diagnosing the play. And that's something that I think he does have. The other, and the reason why I think actually a shift for him into a one-gap system actually makes sense is he has the athleticism to do it. Right, he has the body size to do it. All he really needs is coaching, is like kind of teach him kind of the different cues on when he needs to shoot off the line. I have no I have no worries about him. Like obviously you can't say for certain that it's gonna happen, but a guy that's his size, a guy that is at, as athletic as he is, he should be able to do it and fairly easily. I think whether you want to play him at the three, whether you want to play him at the one, I don't really care. But the thing is he has some skills that you are going to be looking for. Like we see it with rookies all the time at defensive tackle that are used to just shooting and getting all these sacks. You'll see it with Jalen Carter, right? When we did our our kind of analysis of him, we always said on double teams, he he's fallen to the ground too much, right? That's because he's trying to get in there so so quickly and uses upper body strength that he's actually not aware of what's around him. And I think that's actually something that is important with Dexter. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see 
what is that transition like? How seamless will that be for moving him from the two-gap system of Florida, which it's a surprise because I was listening to a couple of interviews of before he came into college football that he was actually ranked higher than Jalen Carter was coming into college football. And he was known as that kind of one-gap kind of defensive tackle that would penetrate the backfield. And we didn't see that at Florida. So your assumption is, well, maybe that is just because it is because it's that's the system. And now when you move him back to this kind of one-gap system, he could be able to flourish. And if he does flourish at that level, I think that's when the Bears can go off and say, we got an absolute stud in the second round because he has the athleticism and he has the body size. So I just want to be able to kind of talk a little bit about that because I know he's had a lot of flack on social media amongst Bears fans, amongst media members. And there's been certain people that I think have been good about it. And they've been saying, don't watch the tape because the tape isn't going to be what you're going to see in Chicago. You can look at certain things, but he's going to be asked to do something completely different. So what you see on tape of Florida is not what you're going to see with the Bears. And look, no, with that, I want to kind of bring it on to you. And what's what's your opinion of kind of what you've been able to look at from Jervon Dexter, but also some of the things that kind of you've heard as well in, in kind of media circles. Yeah, well, look, as you say, first off, there, there are those questions about his, his get off and, and kind of speed like that. And Ryan Pauls had to come out and say, look, obviously he was being used in a scheme in a certain way. And, you know, that contributes to that. That's not how we'll be using them. But you said it, Kieran, this kid has, my God, he has an NFL frame and athleticism. Like, you know, just he's such an imposing figure, strong figure that for me, I think it's exciting when you get, and he's young, you get a young player like this. Obviously the Bears are, are trusted in their coaches. They're going to be able to bring him in. They're going to help him adapt to what the Bears need him to do. But he, like, he has everything about him physically to be able to do that job and athletically to do that job. And if the Bears maybe need to work, maybe he does need a little bit of work on his get-off. But again, someone that athletic, he, that, that can be fixed. That can be sorted. So for me, yeah, look, I, I love the, the defensive tackles as a whole, what they brought in. I love it. I think it's something that the Bears desperately needed. We saw that run defense last year, and it was beyond atrocious. And to bring in a guy like this who has the upside that this kid looks to have, you know, that's what I, I mentioned earlier about certain players, they kind of want to have a better professional career than they had college career. And that can happen. That happens all the time with these players when they make that step up. And this is one kid that, you know, I think the Bears are betting will have a much better professional career because he has everything he needs in his locker to do the job they're bringing him in to do. And I'm, I'm really excited. I, I trust his front office. I believe they brought him in for a reason. I think this coaching staff and scouting team done done a great job from all these guys because a lot of them were at the, you know, the Getsy had them there for the well, the senior bowl and stuff like that. So they, they've got to know these guys, obviously, like every team does. But I do trust his front office that they brought him in for a reason, that he has everything in his locker to do what they need him to do. And for me, I think fans just need to give these players a chance. There's no point in losing your head or going after certain draft picks, you know, within a week of the draft, a couple of days after the draft, because we have no idea what the Bears want him to do. You know, they know what they want him to do. The coaches know what they want him to do, and they know what he has. And, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this pick. And, look, we'll, we'll see how it kind of pans out. And 
welcome. Uh, welcome, Ant. We are we already Sorry, spoke. Delayed. Nah, you're you're fine. We already spoke a little bit about Darnell Wright, but we wanted to move on to kind of the the day two because I think this is where most of the question marks come in. And then after that, we'll talk about kind of our favorites and stuff like that. But realistically, day two is where when that question comes up, I've heard it on almost every single TV show about the Bears where what's the biggest concern? And it always seems to be those three guys on day two. But specifically, it seems to be with Javon Dexter. Um, So it's now been five days since kind of we've spoken about the draft and been live. What's your opinion, kind of doing the the research that you have, but also like listening to people that, like we always say, I, there's certain offensive line and defensive line guys on Twitter and on YouTube that I like to listen to because they yeah. know way more than anybody on TV, on the radio. And those are the guys that I, I really do respect their opinion. What's been kind of your thoughts now that we're a couple of days removed from the draft? about this guy because i think he's gotten a very unfair flack on on social media recently yeah i would i would agree with the unfair slack or flack i think i think because he wasn't that sexy cool pick and this goes back to my whole point around the pff stuff and the mock simulators and all this kind of stuff he was being mock simulated for late in the second round early third round from what i believe maybe i'm wrong depending on the similar that you go into so people saw that that's the that's what he should be getting and the bears have, have reached to get him at 53 I, I don't necessarily believe that. What I will say is I think he's got the most work-ons to do um, of the second-round picks that we've got. I think that, that he, between him and, and Stevenson, I, I don't know whether he'll be fully ready for week one. He might be. I don't know. But it's it's a, there's a lot of work to be done with there. But, my God, he's a talent. I mean, there's there's so – his physical his physical size, his ability, his ability to – like anything you find in the tape, even the mistakes he makes, he suddenly seems to be the guy that gets around to make it the play. So, he mightn't get off the, the line quick enough. And we sp- I know you spoke about that as to what it is, and that's fixable. But even if he does that, he still seems to find a way to make a play. He still seems to find a way to get himself in front of the ball. And – I'm enthused as to what they can do with him. Um, I like the fact that they double down with him and Pickens. I really do. I think that's really smart. I think they're they're really putting, giving, not putting massive pressure on both of these guys. They're giving them the opportunity to go and train, get themselves ready, and then they're not desperately needed to, to be that guy on week one. Um, so I, I'm intrigued with that. It goes back again, as I said, it goes back to the idea that the, this guy isn't this super sexy pick. This isn't this this guy who is your wide receiver at, at 53 or everyone was talking about Tittman or everyone was talking about Schmitz and everyone was talking about uh, Tommy because I'm not going to have to pronounce his name ever again, thank God. Um, everyone was talking about that and suddenly it's like, oh, oh, it's Dexter. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, that has kind of haunted him. Not haunted him. That's kind of stayed the last five days, which I think is really unfair on him. Um, I I can't wait to like. When's the last time we had these physical guys in our defensive line that you could sit there and go, "Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him get on the football field." And that's the thing, right? Like, what I like about him is all these guys when they come out of the draft, they're projections, right? And that, and that's the interesting one here that I feel he doesn't get the credit because we all look for that kind of dominant three tech and that you're looking to come out, right? Like the Aaron Donalds the, in this particular draft, the Jalen Carters, that you see all of that. But there's flashes in the tape that he's able to do it. But yeah. also what I like is 
at the very least, you have a guy that can play at the one and be a at least a run stuffer. And even if he does play more like he did in that kind of two-gap system, if it does take him longer, he's still able to diagnose kind of what is going on and what the offense is giving you. And that's something actually the Bears defensive line didn't have last year. Like they all were breaking contain the entire time from the outside, but also on the inside and getting destroyed. Having a guy like him, I think, can really, really help. And I think that's going to be interesting. And there's actually a comment here that I think really, really is good from Lee. I was just about to put that up. (laughs) Yeah, Dexter and Pickens rotating with Billings and Jones and Walker can play inside. I've always thought that the way that the D-line is going to set up is, I don't know if Pickens or Dexter are going to get the start from the beginning of the season. They could because they could win the job in in training camp. But let's say it's Billings and Jones. I think you're going to see Walker on one of the outside positions. And then I think you're going to see a signing that's going to be on the other edge. And then they're going to rotate that with the likes of Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson. But I think this one actually makes sense because it means you can allow these guys to be put into positions to succeed rather than positions to fail. Like Billings can play one tech. And I think it's very, very simple. You can have Dexter Pickens and Jones playing at the three or some of them moving on the inside. But I think the in, the one thing I would urge fans to, obviously you can w- watch the tape, watch some of the things that Dexter was able to do, but also know for a fact that like he's going to play a lot differently in Chicago. They're going to ask him to do way different things. So don't assume what you're going to see on tape is what you're going to see in training camp or in preseason or the regular season because they're going to be asking him to do many different things. So I think that's going to be one of the interesting ways to go about it. But I guess we're keeping with the same thing is we'll move on to the other defensive tackle. And I've been doing a, a lot of research on kind of the this next guy in terms of Zach Pickens. And there's been a lot of people that have been very big fans of his guys that were talking about him prior to the draft. And it's very interesting to see kind of what he's been able to to bring here, where we talk about Javon Dexter and how people worry about his get-off. I don't think you have quite the same thing with Zach Pickens. The main thing for him is the consistency, but he still has that aggressive approach where he likes to get into the backfield. Another big body guy that, again, if he's going to play three-tech, they're going to be asking him to get off fast, get into the backfield and cause disruption. It's one thing that he's he's been able to do. And look, I'm going to open it up to, to you guys and what you think of overall that pick now, a couple, just a couple of days after, but overall what they were able to do with this kind of the two defensive tackles. I think personally, sorry for number two lads, I think personally if they'd have flipped, if they'd have flipped the picks, mm-hmm. everyone wouldn't be as be as mad as they as they kind of seem to be now. I think it's I think they got a steal of Pickens at the top of the third. I really do. End of the second. I know that's what people are calling it, but it's top of the third. And I just think he is he is that nasty guy that we've been looking for. And I exactly what Lee said earlier on. I really think there's a lot of rotation coming in this defensive line. I think there's a lot of a lot of scenarios where they'll be in and out regularly. And I think that's what the Bears want. They want to cause a little bit of confusion in the in the offensive tackle positions and what you want, I think, the future of the defensive line is that having a lot of players coming in in short spurts to create that level of confusion and create that opportunities for edge rushers to get at quarterbacks, but also to stop the run. This guy 
is set and made for that. This guy will get to the backfield. I've looked at the tape I've watched as well, and he just seems to be, as I say, Aaron, everything in a bag of chips. I just, I just really like this guy. I really think there's a, there's a, there's a player in here. And if you're looking at underrated guys that aren't getting talked about that much, everyone's talking about Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott and obviously Darnell Wright and, and even Tariq Stevenson. This guy seems to be the guy that I think will last really, really and, and, and make a big statement coming up. Um, I think he'll put Justin Jones or uh, Jones under a lot of pressure for his place to start with, um, and I just I just can't wait to see him get on the field. He just really excites me. I know we, we were talking before. You know, Bears didn't make the sexy picks; they made the good picks. I look at this defensive line now with those two defensive tackles going in, and I cannot wait to see this actually in action. You know, you mentioned that run game, man, from last year. They were terrible. These boys make a big, big difference, and as you say. You know, he can be, uh, Pickens can really be disruptive. He, you know, we talked about the four step for Dexter. Pickens doesn't have that issue. Like he can get in there quickly. But for me, I cannot wait to see these boys out there and see what they can actually do. Because I think this defensive line, I don't know what they'll do on the edges. Obviously, we'll, that's still to be maybe done for agent. But in the center of that line now, these lads look like they can make a big difference. And, you know, it's for me, that's exciting. I can't wait to see what actually happens when they go in there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's, there's a bunch of you listening to us over on Twitter. Make sure you come over onto YouTube so you can actually get your comments in and kind of give your opinion on some of these guys. Like you said, and I just like the fact of how aggressive Zach is and, again, his ability to get into the backfield. The question will always be, like, he needs to be able to do it on a consistent basis, obviously, because realistically, that's why he's he was a third-round pick. But a lot of people had him going a little bit higher. I think... It's been the one argument that I've kind of like, every time I see it on Twitter from people, I think it's a completely different evaluation is, and I don't know if you guys have seen the same thing when it just because they're both defensive tackles, everyone keeps going back to the draft of like ego Ferguson. And what was the, what was the other guy's name again from Arizona state? Um, I can't remember. Will Sutton. That was it. And I'm like, everybody goes back to it when I'm like, you need to look at these in isolation. These are two different guys, and the difference is really the Bears needed both positions to be filled. They're going to let these guys battle it out, and whoever wins is going to be able to do it. Um, Yeah, and yes, uh, here at 64, technically he was a second-round pick as well. Yeah, so like that's the interesting one. And look, Seth, I'll let you kind of talk about the two defensive tackles because I know you got here a little bit late, but the, the interesting one here is that when you actually look at the players that were drafted from when the bears drafted Javon Dexter, there was no other defensive tackles taken between Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens. So they got the two kind of guys that were still available at that point of the draft. Cause really we said this before the draft, a lot of the guys that we're seeing that could potentially be inside are actually being touted as edge rushers for now. And we'll get pushed inside. But in terms of, if you wanted guys that have done it before, that have played both positions, both in terms of playing more as a one, but also playing as a three tech. The Bears were able to accomplish that. But Zach Pickens is one of those really interesting names where he has all those physical traits. He has kind of what we look for in terms of penetrating the pocket and getting after the quarterback. He's able to kind of disrupt kind of offensive line with that first like physical punch that he's able to do. His main thing will be 
and getting the coaches to get him, getting that counter move when the first move doesn't work, being more consistent and being more aware when double teams are happening so he knows how to maneuver his body into the right position. Those are some of the things, but the thing that I really liked about him, and I was going in expecting to see just this physical defensive tackle and he was going to need to be able to fix some stuff up. But I actually liked his eyes in terms of where he's looking on the players, diagnosing him, even though he was asked to do something completely different to Jervon Dexter, that both guys are constantly trying to diagnose what's happening and not trying to be too fast with everything that they do, which is actually really, really important because at the NFL level, you have to do that. I mentioned to Noel earlier on in the show today, I just go back to that New York Giants game where the defense was getting crushed because they weren't diagnosing what the Giants were doing. And I think that's something that they, I'd say the Bears kind of coaching staff and front office were like, we can't have that happen again. We need to have a defensive line. We need to have a defense that is smart, that's diagnosing the play, and we're not going to get killed with something like that again. And I think those are some of the things that are really, really important of what I think that they've accomplished here. Yeah, I mean, I I really like these picks. I mean, when you look at the, the schemes they were in and what they were asked to do, like you guys mentioned before, you have to take that into account. Uh, I actually am really in on this Javon Dexter pick. When you look at his frame and how much weight and strength he has to add without losing any athleticism, and that's it's pretty sizable. Like the guy, when you're six foot six, three hundred pounds and you look smallish around the waist, that's impressive. And he has the ability to add on 15 pounds probably without anybody noticing. Like he could add on 15 pounds and not look like he gained much. So yeah. th- that's going to be a really fun thing. Uh, you mentioned it before with the, the read and react two-gap system. You, you can't really have much get off. And I think – when you're in that kind of system, it, it can tend to look like you're playing slow. I said it a lot with Roquan Smith earlier on. When you're you know, not sure of what you're doing and you can't just trust your eyes and attack and you have to think, then you're going to play a step slower. Because when you have to read and react, well, then there's a step before react. And yeah. when you're able to just not think, shoot and go, and just trust, trust your instincts, you're going to play a step faster because there's less going on before you have to make that move. And when you've only got one gap and you know on this play I'm supposed to hit here exactly you know, at the snap, then there's less to think about. You're not, all right, well, if the guard does this and his hand's here, you know, I need to shoot this gap and go this way because then you're, you, know, you get that like, you know, paralysis by choice versus in this system where it is you know, know your assignment, shoot as fast as you can. And I think that's going to help him because when you look at his, you know, his broad jump and the explosive measurables, they're there. Like he's got the tools to be explosive and he's going to get in with an NFL strength and conditioning, you know, coach and, and top of the line, you know, training staff and everything from nutrition and on. So, I mean, obviously there's going to be a little adjustment going into that scheme, but like, I think we're under most people are, are underselling this guy a bit. I mean, when you're his size, weight with those kind of measurables, and then the biggest note is, oh yeah, he could add 20 pounds. Like that's a good thing to have. And some scouts were, you know, saying, oh maybe he's a late first round pick, things like that. Like all of a sudden, when we pick him, when we do, it's a reach. And it's like there are people talking about him being, you know, in the the low 20s. But, you know, and, and and so I just I feel like there is a little bit of 
anti-Bears bias when it comes to reaching on a pick. If, you know, the Eagles took him at 30, probably be praising that move or something like that because they have the precedent set. So I, I think that's going to be a really fun pick, and I think he's going to add a lot of add a lot of weight and strength and play that one technique. And you guys are right. Pickens has all the tools to be that three technique. Going to be a fun guy. But it's about having a functional rotation of defensive linemen because no matter – if you've got an amazing defensive tackle and the rest are not great, you're not rotating him as much. He's not getting as much rest. Like those things matter. Good teams have deep defensive lines that can rotate in and just punch you in the mouth repeatedly. And that's what they're building. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a couple of interesting comments. Obviously, Dexter Lawrence just got paid just in the last couple of minutes. Again, showing you the importance of kind of the defensive tackles. And the interesting thing I got, because I was listening to all the, obviously, the interviews, the kind of, the phone calls, which look, if you haven't listened to Javon Dexter's one, if you <laughs> haven't li- listened to Zach Dickens' one, go back and listen to them. But there's an interesting nugget that happens when the defensive line coach is on is on the phone with them. We always talk about kind of beginning from the middle, from the defensive tackle, getting pressure up front that way rather than at the edge. And we've kind of said this when you when we were kind of comparing like the Eberflus defense in Indy, they never had like great players on the edge, right? They had, they usually had one guy. I know they had Quiddy pay because they picked him in the first round, but really it was always kind of one main rusher that you kind of knew about. And then the other one was more of kind of can rush the passer, but also is good in terms of run support as well. So I think that's what you're going to see this year with the bears. Um, It'll be interesting to see, do they sign someone, but, Look, one of the comments here kind of teases up well for our last guy on day just, two. Just, just yeah. before you go off that, sorry, just before you go off that, because I know I, I won't mention that. People seem to forget as well that the teams we're going to play the most this year, which is the Vikings, the Lions, and the Packers. Now, what are their historic head coaches? What do their, what do their offensive coordinators historically like to do? They like to run the football. Mm-hmm. So you look at the Detroit Lions now, they've gone and got a first round pick with their running back, hilarious. And they've also got Montgomery, right? They've got an offensive line that is set up to run the football. You look at the Green Bay Packers, they've got what they consider a double-headed monster who never can stay on the field. But okay. They've got this, they've got this designed element to run the football. And you got the Vikings, if Cook decides to stick around, which is going to run the football. Anyone worth their salt in Chicago needs to realize that the first thing we need to do isn't rush the passer. It stopped the run. Once we get to that point, and then we get the pressure from the inside, then you're going to see some success because you're forcing those three teams to have to come up with different ways of beating us. And that tees us up perfectly for Stevenson because that's when they're going to start throwing the football. And those three quarterbacks, for those three teams, I cannot wait for them to try and throw the football against this backfield. I really can't because I have been massive. I've been a massive Tariq Stevenson guy I just think this guy has everything that's going to work well in Chicago. He is, and this is being nice, he's a dickhead. And that's exactly what you want in your cornerback. He is, he's the guy that you hate playing against. He's, he, uh, watch the tape. Every single time he hits someone, he's running to the opposition sideline. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. He is the physical element of what you want in a cornerback. And he gets stuck in. He wants to hit physicality. You see him jumping out of spots to get into a tackle and make hits. I love this kid. I love this pick. This outside of Tyler, outside of Scott, which we'll talk about later, this is my favorite pick. Yeah, and look, the the one thing I want to mention about kind of Tyreek Stevenson, and you you said it, and he is that aggressive corner, which I actually think that you need when you have guys like Kyler Gordon and you have Jalen Johnson out there that do they focus quite a lot on their technique. They focus on being in the right place, making sure that they're able to do that. But also, sometimes you need a guy that is really good at run support as well. We've seen a guy, we've seen Tyreek Stevenson be able to kind of lay the ladder on quarterbacks, lay the ladder on running backs. And that's a big thing now with the way offenses are going. It's not just all deep ball, right? Like we, you're able to see Tyreek Stevenson. He has the athleticism to keep up with elite receivers when it is kind of those deep shots. But also we're seeing now more of kind of the quick, get the ball out really, really fast. And in order to be able to do that, you need to be able to have guys that can tackle, right? Prior to maybe last season, what were we saying about the defensive backs for the Bears? They can't tackle. They keep missing all these tackles. The one thing that I've heard over and over again about Tyreek Stevenson is that he's a perfect fit for what Eberflus wants. And it's very interesting because I was listening to a video about four or five days ago, and this was prior to the draft, of one of the comps in terms of his play style was Rocky Asin, which is like similar because obviously he played for Eberflus for Indy. Um, but also when you look at the way he plays, it's really interesting of how aggressive he is, but also is able to get in the right position. My biggest concern, and then I'll kind of let you guys kind of talk about um, Tyreek as well, is sometimes he can be a little bit over aggressive. And my biggest concern is the way that gets called at the next level. Like we know the amount of bullshit plays that refs screw up because of a bit of contact. I think that's my biggest fear for Tyreek is that sometimes he will probably have to hone it back in a little bit because when you watch him, he likes to hit the receivers as soon as he can. And we know what way that's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be a couple of pass interference calls against him this year, but you don't really want to take that aggressiveness out of him. You want him being that physical corner opposite Jalen Johnson. I like what we see here where you have Johnson. You have Gordon, you have Stevenson, you have Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker. And now that you drafted like other players in the defensive backfield as well recently and gotten some good UDFAs last year in Jalen Jones, who was a contributor in Kindle Bildor, you have a little bit of depth there. But overall, I'm, I'm a fan of this pick. I know, Ant, you were kind of really wanting Tyreek Stevenson before the draft. Anybody can go back to some of our videos before and this is one of the key names that Ant was saying it. So I guess before we go on to the day three guys, what do you guys think of this pick and what it does for the defensive backfield for the Chicago Bears this year? I I think it's a it's a great pick. I, I my concerns with him are things that are I think fixable. Um, I mean, obviously the, the aggression part is going to be what it is. Every team needs one of those guys. That's why um, Chauncey, um, whatever his name is with 
the Eagles, like that's why he'll always have a home, uh, being a decent player, but being that guy can be the the aggressive tone setter in the secondary. You need that guy. My issues with him is when he is playing in zone and we have a lot of zone coverages. He, he tends to be a little boomer bust in the big play. You know, he he fights for that interception and, and those kinds of things. And so he can, his tendency to get burned once or twice a game, uh, and that's at the college level. Uh, but if he can get a little more disciplined, understand that when he's in zone, he has help in certain spots and needs to just hit his marks. I think he can clean some of that up. Um, the worry with him, in, in my opinion, though, is two or three times a game in college equals six or seven times in the NFL. So he needs to, to get some of that discipline going. But if he can, if he can clean up some of those zone elements, because he's a phenomenal, you know, like press man guy, we don't do as much press man in, in this scheme. Uh, but when, when those times come up, he'll be great. But if he can get some zone discipline and clean up some of those, those like kind of uh, assignments in the zone, I think he'll be a phenomenal corner. But he's gonna have to earn it and really show that he can learn this defense and really, you know, take that next step. Because physically, he's got the tools. Like he, he's got everything you want uh, in a corner. It's just gonna be a few of those things, you know, getting it set up. And and will he take the coaching in the direction? You know, like if they're like, hey, we know you want to play man, press man, and, and get in this, but you know, sometimes we're gonna ask you to be in this zone. And, and and move around when we need you to, and we need you to be cool with that. And I think from this last year, we saw that he's comfortable doing that. I know early in his career, there were some issues with that. So I'm just hoping to can I, can see I, can what, I, what the, the version of him this past year is the version we're going to get. And if so, I'm happy. Uh, it's just sometimes you wonder, like, that was that one-year growth or was it that growth come from getting to a coaching staff that's going to let you do what you want to do? See, I'll come in on that. My answer to that, and I get your point. It, it, it's very valid. There was there was issues going on earlier in his career. I get that. But you got to remember when these guys are in college, they see the big money of the NFL, and they see that this is their chance in college. And if they feel they're being disrespected, or they feel that they're being not given the opportunities to go and get their payday when they go to the NFL, they're going to kick up. And I think you find a lot of college kids see that way they're also a little bit more immature as well they're usually in 1921 oh yeah calls. For sure. and they've been the man ever since they came in but for me what i liked about what i like about him what i take away from on that stuff about oh he, he didn't want to play certain places didn't want to stay certain positions didn't want to be he knew who he was and he knew what kind of player he was and he didn't want to have a scenario going into the nfl draft where he was being falling off the radar because of a decision by a head coach that he didn't agree with for me i get the question marks onto onto that but i i, I totally understand why he would do it what I like about this kid, though, as well, is he's going into a back room, like a back, uh, a backfield with the likes of Eddie Jackson in the room, who I think is going to be the leader of this defense now. I think he's going to be the one who's going to to get the culture within that within that room, within that team, within that defense. And I think Tariq Stevenson will fall nicely into that. We haven't had a dickhead corner in a long time. I know I've said this the second time. I. Don't I don't think we understand how much this guy is going to annoy other wide receivers. We are too nice in some ways, and I'm looking forward to seeing him be that way. I get your point around getting burned at those times in college, and that turns into the NFL a bigger problem. Totally agree with you. Do I want him to take a risk like that? 
for the reward that it comes from? Probably, probably, yeah. especially especially in a team right now that's not going to win the Super Bowl. Um, we want to get, we wanted to make those mistakes now. We don't want the mistakes, obviously, to to lose us cost us massive games. But that's going to come with this kid. I think people need to be aware of that. Yeah, but the upside, it'll be it'll be it'll be growing. There will be growing pains, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I don't yeah. like him. I love the pick. I'm just saying there's probably going to be those growing pains, and how he responds to them is going to be huge. I I do exactly. like the pick exactly. a lot, but it's just you know, especially with these receivers now that we've got, there's probably going to be those plays in training camp. <laughs> You know, Scott or Mooney takes him down, and and that's why I'm 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 prefacing like keep this stuff in mind. He'll get better. He'll work through those things. But if he gets burned a few times in training camp, don't come for his head. Like that's that's part of being a corner. It's it's you're gonna make make mistakes, and usually because you're a corner and where you're at, your mistakes are a lot bigger than you know a defensive tackle's mistake or something like that. Because it's usually where the big plays come from. He's yeah, but this, this is where you trust. Newsom. Yeah, <laughs> but this is where you trust your coaches as well. Yeah. Again, when you look at this guy, he's a big physical corner who loves to hit people. And for me, I love corners six foot or above because that that for me that's what I like to see. And he he's great in the press. You know, he can hit. As you say, look, all rookies coming in have things they need to work on. And mm-hmm. you guys have mentioned the things he needs to work on. But that's that's where I say that's where your coaches come in and work with him. But these aren't things that can't be fixed you know these are things that can be oh, easily sure. worked on and he has the traits he has the he has the talent and he has the build to play that way and we just hope and mentioned a great point there you know there's experience in this db room that can work with him as well the coaches that are there but really and mentioned the upside and when you look at the upside on this kid you know it was such a, a good cornerback kind of draft this year that maybe he didn't get the, the talk he might have got in other years because there were so many good guys get guys ahead of him. But I, I love this pick and I think he can slot in there and maybe there will be growing pains. And as you say, Seth, you know, he's a rookie. Don't go for him like last year we had it with Gordon. There were growing pains, of course to wear. He's a young guy coming into the NFL and it's a very, very tough position for a rookie to come in and to hit the ground running. But overall like all the other guys they brought in, he's physical, <coughs> he's athletic, he has that, that build that you really want to see. And as Anne said, he's a dickhead, and I love it. I can't wait to see him out there. You know what I like? I that means, yeah. So, yeah, you have him as you were mentioned, Anne, like the corner dickhead. When I feel like you, you mentioned that we haven't had many dickheads at corner, I actually think Jaquan Brisker at safety is a bit of a dickhead in terms safety of like how he, how he goes. Safety, and, I agree. Yeah, Especially on Twitter. Yeah, like I love that. <laughs> but I love that he has the confidence in those type of things. I think will breathe through that room. Like Jalen Johnson has a little bit of it, but he just doesn't show it quite as much. I feel like if and this is what actually is beneficial for Stevenson is that you have so many other good players in the defensive backfield for the Bears that it's not all going to be on you. Right, like you can come in there, you can do your job, but you know they're not always going to be targeting you. They're gonna have to go elsewhere as well, and I think that's where I think it's going to benefit him. And look, the the most interesting thing that I think is going to come out of camp is going to be who's he going to first fight with on the, from the offense yeah, side. Like him, I Claypool. On it. him versus I, Claypool, I'm telling you, I, I, Ooh, I, I like it. I like that, it. I expect that to happen. It's going to be fun. But look. Those are kind of – we wanted to go more in-depth into the day one and day two guys 
at the beginning because those are the ones that a lot of people you expect that players in day one and day two should be the main contributors right and look i think we will talk about all these day three guys because it comes into our next section about kind of draft favorites because i think we've kind of mentioned these on on and off and then we'll talk about the rest of the guys if we don't talk about any of the prospects within this section of it so i'm going to go through each of you um and then i'll give kind of my opinion at, at the very end but no, I'll start with you. You can pick a guy that we spoke about, or you can pick one of these guys in in day three. But who is now thinking back of the Bears draft? Who is your draft favorite in terms of who the Bears selected? I can't wait to see Roshan Johnson play. To be honest, <clears throat> I know it's an easy pick. There's probably a lot of people picking that, but like we, we obviously we lost Montgomery, and this is a guy that comes in and has all the skill set Montgomery had. And you know we don't know if he's better or not yet. I'm not going to say he is. But he has the potential to be better. Obviously, being behind Bijan Robinson, he didn't get the, the game time that you know most people would. So maybe people look at his stats and think they're not jumping off the screen. Well, there's a reason for that. He was playing behind Bijan Robinson. But this is a kid who, you know, he's he's big, he's tough, he's strong, he can he can catch the ball, he can block. Blocking is really, really important for this bear scheme. And obviously, it's something that Khalil Herbert struggles with. So this is what could give Roshan Johnson a, a big kind of up over, over Herbert as the season goes on, that he is that option in the blocking game. But, I mean, he may not have the absolute explosive speed, but I've been hearing people talking about his speed, and I think they're underselling how fast he actually can be when he gets that bit of space. He, he's, not a, he's not a blower now. He's not going to go, but he has good speed when he gets free. But he has the strength as well. And, you know, I just I think he looks like he could be an all-round back and because he was behind Bijan Robinson, he doesn't have as much wear and tear, which as well could be a big factor for this kid coming in. And I just look at this running back room now, and I love it. Like, I think they have options throughout the running back room, you know, that can really go forward and, and give the Bears. You know, last season, they were obviously the top running team. A lot of that goes back to Justin Fields having to run, and we're hoping that's not going to be the case again this year. But I think they have a tree-headed monster now that each guy can realistically play this season and, and contribute a big deal to this, this offense. And it's going to be interesting. Like It looked like for a while Herbert could go on and establish himself as that number one after Montgomery went. Like I don't know now. I think Roshan Johnson, if you give him enough time, again, I'm not going to say he'll come in week one starter. It's not impossible. But I think by mid-season or toward the end of the, the, the year, we really could see this kid making a big impact. And again, it's just going to be really exciting to see. And he's only the force of day three. I think day three was excellent, especially at the, the top end couple of picks. But for me, he kind of stands out as someone I'm really looking forward to see. Yeah, absolutely. Seth, I'm going to come to you next. Who was your favorite draft pick for, for the Bears this season? I... I had to th sit with this uh, for, for a bit the past few days. And the more I look at it, the, the one that excites me the most because there's an unknown quantity to it is Sewell. I think there's some real big untapped potential. I think he fell off a bit. There was some, some coaching staff change and, and things that happened to him. And he wasn't playing with the same explosion that he did a, a year prior. I think this coaching staff can absolutely get it out of him. And he offers, uh, I was talking to a handful of pe people, he offers some 
like legit high end pass rushing traits so and skills like they, they were comparing his bag to you know some of the the top end defensive ends in this class and saying he might be a better you know pure pass rusher in in some of his skill sets than some of these guys who went you know in the second and first round and and that's really exciting yes he's he's short like he wouldn't be your your prototypical defensive end but we've seen shorter guys work but you know he could earn some time as a Sam linebacker in certain pass, you know, sets, maybe they throw him at defensive end. Uh, he, he offers a lot of stuff that is very intriguing and he's just strong as hell. And like having a guy like that, you know, is, is going to be really interesting if they can get that untapped potential because his ceiling is crazy high. The problem is, is, he hasn't just gotten anywhere close to it this past year. And if he clicks, he could be a really fun, like, you know, Jack of all trades type of player for Eberflus. He could throw him anywhere on that defense outside of like, you know, obviously secondary or something like that. But like you could throw him at DN, you could throw him at will linebacker. If somebody got injured or he could start in the Sam and he he's got that type of potential. That's really exciting. I just hope this coaching staff can unlock that. Yeah, and look, Ant, I'll move to you next. What's your favorite pick now, kind of thinking back a few days after for the Bears 2023 draft class? Uh, the best pick was... was Or your um, favorite, sorry, your favorite. Yeah, but the best was Darnell Rice. I'll say that straight away. Yeah. That the most important, the vital will get Rice. Vitally, if you're picking one player that has to succeed in this class, that, that it's a must to succeed for the success of the Chicago Bears, it's him, Darnell Rice. But my favorite pick was Tyler Scott. I, I just think when you go back and look at this guy's tape, everybody that has ever watched this two years of the show will hear me talk about the name Daz Newsom. I've upgraded his ass, right? We are now talking about a, a wide receiver that I actually really believe in that has all the traits possible. I think this kid really can push the top three. I think you, you may even look at a scenario where we only... Um, we only renew one of our two wide receivers because we have Tyler Scott in our in our team. His ability to just just make plays, he can he can fight. Just is going to love him because he just has a deep ball in him. He has everything about him. He's a little bit of attitude as well, which I really like. He's got explosiveness when he wants to be there, and I just can't wait to see him. I think he will be he will be on the field a lot more than people are taking right now I think he might even get on the field in week one for some really interesting plays because he just has something different to the other three that were there I saw people comp him to Mooney I think he's a different player to Darnell Mooney Darnell Mooney's a sensational wide receiver for me his kid is a little bit different and a little bit more to offer he's probably a little bit faster than Darnell as well I I loved I know his pick as well I love Rashawn Johnson the third round picks were brilliant I really think they were they were the fun picks but just Tyler Scott, there's, there's something really, really cool about him. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are are some really interesting options. Obviously, I've been a big fan of Roshan Johnson, and for the longest time, I was delighted when that when that draft pick came in because obviously, it's someone that I I originally looked at it because I remember when we were talking about this because we were talking about the offensive players. We had an episode back in February, I think it was, about only focusing on offensive players in the draft. And I always remember back, Anthony, where you asked me one question is, who who was the best in terms of pass protection, 
and one of the better guys that was going to be able to catch the football. And I kept coming back to Roshan. He's the like he was the for me. I said at the time he was the perfect substitute if you were going to lose David Montgomery because he gave you what Montgomery gave you in terms of those hard yards, the breaking tackles, the pass protection. Which to be honest, that might be a reason why Roshan may not be officially the starter, but may play more snaps than some of these other guys because pass protection is going to be important, but also when you need to have a guy that can break tackles, he's able to do that. I think what you saw with the Bears this past season with Montgomery and Herbert splitting carries, you're going to see the same thing again. But I wouldn't be surprised if you end up getting to a point of where Roshan Johnson is the unofficial starter for this team because I think he definitely has the ability to do so. Um, So, yeah, if I was picking one player and what was my favorite, it was Roshan purely because of the ability that he has what he can add to this offense, but also the value that you got at that point. Tyler Scott, again, we did a we did a show with one of the lads in over at the Draft Network. And myself and Seth were on that show. And we picked two offensive players and two defensive players for our draft gems. And one of my offensive players was Tyler Scott. And the reason is he gave you that added element that the Bears want right? What does Justin Fields excel at? That deep, that deep ball. And the one thing that I love to Tyler Scott, he has the speed, but also he's able to track it on the deep ball. I think that's really, really important. It's something that they were hoping that Valis was able to give them last year, wasn't able to do it. Because you have two big guys now with DJ Moore and Chase Claypool, two guys that can go up and get those contested catches that can when Justin is in trouble, he can launch it up to them. They'll be able to make a play. You have Darnell Mooney that is good, both on the outside, but also in the slot. Now you have a guy in Tyler Scott that has that speed that defenders have to be worried that they can't get beat. So that might even make them take a step or two back, which actually then gives him that extra space on the inside to be able to create separation. That's the one thing I like. He's a He's one of the wide receivers in this draft class that was very easily able to separate and that's some of the interesting ones just go back even to like last year when he was getting like some of his touchdown receptions from Desmond Ritter right like when they had guys like Alec Pierce in that offense he was still able to get involved even though he wasn't one of the main options there at that year so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes obviously there's other guys that were that were in the draft class um that I do want to point out as well obviously kind of Panay Sewell's brother um, when you look at Noah Sewell. Interesting to see how he's going to be used. Will he eventually become that Sam linebacker? Will he just get rotated with Jack Sanborn? That's an interesting one. What I do like is if you're playing against the Lions, who's going to know his brother better than, than himself? So you'll know some of those weaknesses that he'll be able to provide to some of his own teammates, but also he has to make a name for himself now. And look, I like the pedigree. I like the athleticism. Like we said, if this was 12 months ago, people were having him as going in the first round or second round. So to get him in the fifth, even at that just level, and really doesn't have to start when you have guys like Sanborn, Edmonds, and Edwards. He doesn't have to start straight away, but the fact that he can rotate in, be in more of those blitz packages, which... The Bears used quite a lot when Roquan was here, but then once Roquan got traded, 
they stopped using that because there was nobody really else that was able to do it successfully. That's what I think they'll use Noah Sewell for. And then look, some of the other guys, the last the last three picks are interesting, right? Like obviously Terrell Smith, the perfect size. I've heard some people say like don't sleep on him. He's a guy that could end up being a contributor and on defense. You might see him kind of rotate with guys on the outside, rotate with Kyler Gordon on the inside. He can play both. So that's where it's going to be interesting there. I think Travis Bell is the unknown because he hasn't he's, it's been a low competition for him but he has the traits that you're kind of looking for, that athleticism. So he's going to be an interesting one to watch. And then obviously Kendall Williamson is that other DB where he was brought in, good tackler, good size, good athleticism. That's one of the kind of commonalities between all these guys, the athletic scores that they've gotten. But a guy like Williamson, I, it's going to be interesting to see where they see him. The fact that they haven't re-signed DeAndre Houston Carson makes me think, like he's going to be one of these guys that might be a backup for both safety and corner um, and be able to do both, be in that kind of hybrid role, which what they use DHC for. Um, so those are just like some of the little things there. But instead of doing your prototypical grading system, and we mentioned this at the start, we prefer to kind of grade these out of kind of the idea of how many of these guys can be a starter in year one how many can be contributors. And then I think one of the keys is how many of these guys do we believe make the 53-man roster? Because I think I'd prefer to do to break it down like that rather than say, oh, the Bears get an A+. Plus. Like, who the hell knows, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, nobody's going to know. I think the best way to do it is if we tr try and project these guys on who we think is going to be kind of key contributors this year, Who's going to be able to make the team, but also contribute? And then who who will be guys that will just make the team will be primary backups, but with the expectation that they eventually become kind of contributors or starters on this team. So, Ant, I'm going to come to you first. Of the 10 players, first of all, how many of these guys do you think realistically will be starters in 2023? When you mean starters, do you mean week one or do you mean the, by the end of the season? Let's say by the end of the season, because I think that's the important okay. element. Okay. Um, so for me, by the end of the season, you're looking at Darnell Wright, you're looking at Stevenson, you're looking at Pickens, that's three. Roshan Johnson, I think, would be the start and runner back by that stage. So I'd say you're looking at four straight-up starters. Mm -hmm. um, and then you could make an argument for, De for Dexter, you could make an argument um, that Tyler Scott will have broken in uh, into the top three guys and uh, there was an argument about them so four four definites for me um in starters in the 10 and then two who are right on the edge of that below that then i i'm with i'm with seth i i i think noah sue is going to really surprise people and i think he could he could he could really put himself into the conversation within that within that whole uh within that whole linebacker core or as i've been saying wouldn't surprise me if they fly him off the edge a couple of times as well. So I think they'll find ways to get him on the field a lot more than people expect at definitely by the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I'll go with I'll go with four definite starters with two to three uh, to contribute during the season. Um, and then anything on the last three picks is a bonus, uh, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I'd love, I'd love 
I'd love the kid who had a job <laughs> while he was going to college to somehow, somehow find his way into the 53, but I, I would worry about that. Yeah, Seth, I'm going to come to you next. Same, same question. How many guys do you think from this draft class are going to be starters in 2023? I, I think it'll come down at this point to, to three probably this year, that being um, Jervon Dexter at the one, uh, Darnell Wright and Tariq, uh, Tyreek Stevenson. I think Roshan I, – I don't think there will be like a actual starting running back. I think it's just going to be a rotating stable where they – I mean, they're going to run the ball like 35 times a game. Everybody's probably going to come out similarly and ride the hot hand each week. Um, but contributor-wise, I, I could make a case for – like Pickens is going to be a rotational guy. He's going to make plays. So he'll be a contributor. Scott offers, you know, special teams as well as wide receiver stuff. Sewell, I think, plays meaningful snaps. And all the defensive backs are going to play special teams and contribute. The only one I don't know that necessarily contributes or or comes right away would be Travis Bell. But that's mostly because I don't have any uh, (laughs) Kenesaw State tape in my – my book. Uh, working on getting some. Uh, it's on reel to reel tape, I believe, and I'm I'm working on getting that translated to digital. Um, I, I I just haven't really watched much of him, but I'm all for high character guys. They tend to find their way at least onto the practice squad, and those practice squad people do make people you know on the active roster better. Uh, but I see three starters and of the ten picks nine of the 10 picks being regular contributors this year. I think it's a really solid draft class. It's not like, a, oh, my God, there's eight starters in this, but, like, they hit on a lot of things, uh, guys that will contribute year one. Yeah, look, guys, there's about 40 or so of you in, in the chat right now. I want you guys to put in in the chat who you think will be better starters this year who you kind of think will be key contributors by the end of this year and how well you think that the Bears did in, in the draft. Noel, same question to you in terms of kind of starters slash key contributors. How many of them do you think the Bears have drafted this year? In terms of starters, obviously Darnell Wright, Tariq Stevenson. I think Roshan Johnson will push his way to the, the front of the running back room at some point. As Seth said, they may not be de facto like this is the number one always out there, but I think he will get as many reps as any other running back out there. As you said, Kieran, because of his blocking ability, that's going to give him a bit of an edge over Herbert. So I think those three would be what I'd consider starters. The defensive tackle is is interesting. You know, if those guys kind of come in and they develop in the way you hope, maybe both of them by the end of the season could, again, could be could be really high contributors in terms of getting in there. Hopefully together we see them both in there. So I'll say five. I'll I'll just, the lad said three and four. I'll say five just to be different. In terms of then, you know, healthy contributions, I think Tyler Scott is going to have a lot of contributions this this season. You know, I love the speed. As you say, that deep ball that Justin Fields can throw, he's tailor-made for it. I think Noah Sewell definitely will get some reps. Jack Sanborn had a great season last year, but again, it was his fourth season. We'll see if that can, continues this year. If not, maybe Sewell can kind of displace him in, in his position. That's a possibility, but I, I definitely think, you know, in special teams, he gives a lot and potentially, you know, as that kind of third linebacker. Um, 
out of them, then who else do we have? I think Terrell Smith actually looks really good to me. Again, he's another big physical corner. He could get, you know, a bit of playing time here and there, especially on, on special teams. So I'm thinking maybe five starters by the end of it. And you're probably talking about another maybe three will contribute in different parts of the, the team. Yeah, look, uh, the way I see it as well is I think you have a couple definites, right? I think Darnell Wright definitely going to start at right tackle. I think by the end of the season, one of Zach Pickens or Javon Dexter will start at the three tech or or one tech. I think that's a given that one of them will. I think Tyreek Stevenson, as long as he does what he's supposed to in training camp, probably begins the season as the starter opposite Jalen Johnson. I'm fairly consistent that I think by the end of the season, I think Roshan Johnson will be your starting running back in terms of, let's say, in terms of the reps that they get on the field. I think he'll get in there for more than you'll see Foreman, and I think he'll get in for more than you'll see Herbert just based on as long as there's no injuries and stuff like that i see that's the way i kind of see it for now but you can make the case for a couple of other guys that are in there right like is it really beyond the realms of possibility that javon dexter and zach pickens are starters by week 17 of the season i don't think so is it likely probably not i think it's probably more likely that one of them is a starter and then one of them is rotating in and out but it's definitely a possibility there. Now, where I like to see this is really the success of a draft class for me is obviously the starters and contributors are important, but what, like on average, what they say is your first round picks and your second round picks need to be starters, right? Or at least need to be key contributors. Your third and fourth round picks need to be able to have some sort of contribution and then really, if your day three picks can either make the roster or be contributors and special teams, that's where you're kind of looking at it on average. And I think the Bears have been able to do that where I can actually see some of the guys that are in day three that can make a good impact. Now, the other part of this is how many we think make the 53-man roster. Now, the only one that, just because I haven't got to see that much is Travis Bell. But then when I was actually looking at it, I don't think that there's that much competition if he shows even a little bit at defensive tackle to where he can make the 53-man roster. And look, the Bears drafted 11 players last year. Does anybody know how many of them actually made the 53-man roster to begin with? No. Five? Ten. 10 of the 11 made it. So ten, really? 10 of the 11 made it, and three UDFA players made the roster last year. Now, the only difference is that the only player that did not make it out of that draft class was Doug Kramer because he was injured. Injured. And the only other, and then the only other one was a day later, Zach Thomas got released because they brought in five, four or five guys from, from waivers every other oh, player yeah. made the roster but then you also had jake tonge made the roster you had jaylon jones made the roster you had obviously um jack sanborn made the roster so you actually had i think when it came to it about 13 rookies that made the original 53 man roster 
So that's where I think you could be in a position where now I don't know if all of them are because I think the roster's in a completely different place now than it was yeah. 12 months mm-hmm. ago. But I think when I look at this, Darnell Wright, obviously, I think the two defensive tackles are going to make it. I think Tyreek Stevenson is going to make it. I think Roshan and Tyler Scott are going to make the roster. So that's six. I think when you look at the linebacking core, I think it's fairly obvious that Noah Sewell, as long as he does what we expect, will make the roster and will probably be that. Yeah, we will we'll talk about some of the UDFAs in just a minute. Um, and then on, on day three, I think Terrell Smith has the best chance of the kind of last kind of three guys to make it. I don't know if Travis Bell is going to make it. It depends on what he does in camp. If he can kind of show that he has a little bit of something, I think he could make it. Um, and then Kendall Williamson, he's a seventh-round pick. Like, we say this, but, like, obviously the seventh-round pick last year was a punter, so he was obviously going to make the roster, right? So that's where it's a little bit different. So I think if anybody I'm not sure of, it'll be Bell and Williamson being kind of seventh-round picks. Those are always difficult. They're kind of a shot in the dark. But I think you're probably looking at kind of eight guys. The fact that, as Broski Bear mentions, that one of the UDFAs, Andre Schmidt, if they're not happy with Cairo Santos in terms of always missing like extra points and being paid more than maybe they would like, if a UDFA comes in and is consistent in their kicking, it makes sense that you don't have to pay kind of your kicker or punter a lot because your punter would be a seventh round pick and your kicker could be a UDFA. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but right now, be ultimate, have it, that's your, that's your ultimate dream though, isn't it? That yeah. is your dream. Well, that's how you like, build like, rosters. You don't need to be drafting that's ultimate kickers. dream. Ultimate dream for Kieran. But look, oh, overall, it's the same thing with the long snappers as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, but like realistically, I could see in this draft class, if I had to guess, I think eight of them make the 53, the original 53. That's fair. And I think the other two, I think anything could happen. That's where that's where this becomes very interesting. And I think if you have that, and that's where you are projecting these guys, I think that's pretty good as a draft class because we've gone through other years where we pick six players and we're like, oof three of those guys I'm not confident they're gonna get the 50 get to the 53 man roster I think this year you can kind of project those guys but also see a role of where they can actually a lot of those guys even some of the day three guys like Kendall Williamson I think he could still be a contributor on special teams so that could be a reason why he makes it so I think that's where you really look at it and rather than saying the Bears get an a plus or a B plus or an a minus, where we see them helping this team going forward. If you're able to make a draft class and eight of the 10 guys make the 53, I think that's fairly good and what you're looking for, but also not them making it without it kind of substituting for talent that would be on the roster. I think that's an important one there. So look, I'm going to open it up for, for you guys for last thoughts here about the Bears draft class before over the next couple of weeks, we kind of focus more on to going forward obviously rookie mini camp starts on friday we'll be talking next week a little bit about that but also about kind of where we see this team kind of moving forward and doing some comparisons to last year so before we wrap up today's show i just want to give you guys an an opportunity to kind of do a, a small summary of kind of what you think of 
the draft this year and what Ryan Pulse was able to accomplish. So, Seth, I'll start with you. Again, give me your thoughts on overall the Bears draft. I, I think it was a, a really good draft class that hit needs with quality players, built depth, and and set, you know, with last year's and this year's draft and, and the, the free agency class, set a tone of, like, we are going to have a strong foundation, and I think this draft class really cemented that. They got in guys that are going to be here. They got younger. They got better, stronger, faster, and – there's just a lot to be said about the the way they went about it. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I think top to bottom, they didn't reach, in my opinion, on anybody. They didn't force a DN pick just because they needed one. They did it the smart way, and they're building something really cool here that I have not really seen since like the early 2000s. And and so I really like this draft class. I think it's going to surprise people in about two years' time. And and what about you? Yeah, I, I I said all along that I was going to judge Ryan Poles on the free agency class this year and the draft this year, and then the results on the field because at the bottom line, we can think that the draft class is amazing, but it'll all come down to results and how many wins and losses we do. But he has ticked all the boxes so far for me. I think he has done a really good job, a real smart job as to what he's looking to do, um, and. We're building the way, as Seth just said, we're building the way that I haven't seen us do for a while. There's no panic. There's no real jump up and reaches. There's no real kind of like, even the fact that he waited in the second round till the 53rd pick and didn't panic and go, oh my God, we need an edge, we need an edge, we need an edge. Please just go up and get any edge we can find. The fact that he didn't do that as well. <laughs> That's really impressed me. Um, I, I just like the way we're, we're trying to do. I like the fact that we're building. I like the fact that, Bears fans can look at this team and go, yeah, I can see where we're going. Um, and it's put pressure on his coaching staff. It's put pressure on on his players. Someone said it earlier on in the chat about certain players on notice. There's two or three of them. I think the whole squad, the whole the whole squad is on notice because these be. guys will will cut your ass if they don't like you. You do you make mistakes. You miss kicks in the case of Carlos Santos. You you miss you miss blocks in the case of some of our players that that were cut last year. You aren't you aren't achieving for the Bears, then you're gone. And I love that because we haven't seen that for such a long time. And these guys are building it the right way. And I'm, I, I've listened to some of our younger brother comments from the Detroit Lions about how they hmm. love their their um, their uh, GM, and I'm delighted with the GM we have. Uh, if I'm completely honest, not the one whose culture is in ribbons uh, in Detroit. So I'm delighted with what. Ryan Pose has done so far. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because I think he's not finished yet. I think there's another couple of spaces he'll try and fix up. Everyone says edge, but there's a couple of other ones that I think he might want to look at as well. So I'm unbelievably optimistic as we as we are what fourth of May. Yeah, like on what you said about Detroit, I'd be pissed off as a Bears fan if next year when we have two first round picks, if they use one on a running back and a linebacker. That's all I'm gonna especially, say about especially it. when they're especially when they could have got the number one running back and decided to lose their shit because they got the number two running back. Still the funniest video, funniest video of the <laughs> of the NFL draft is watching Brad Holmes lose his absolute shit because they got a running back that no one else was gonna take. Just and the funniest thing is that I saw like a, a little graph earlier this week. The statistics of kind of the biggest bust read from the first round. Top two positions, 
running back and linebacker. So that's going to be an interesting and, one. And the fact that you tweeted out a fact or statistic, how damn dare you? I know. Exactly. That was a direct assault on the entire city of Detroit, the president, the queen, the world, God himself. How dare you? How dare you do that? That's how it felt looking at the benches. <laughs> the city of Detroit is uh, the city of Detroit is what should embarrass Detroit. So, like at the end of the oh day, <laughs> like the, uh, there's not there's nothing else we can we can really say on that one. But no, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you come in here. I knew you'd like that one, Seth. Um, no, I'm gonna let you come in here and give your kind of overall analysis and overall opinion of what the Bears were able to accomplish in the draft this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with this draft. You know, it felt like there was a structure. When you look at each of those players, there's a type, you know, they're, they're strong, they're athletic, they're physical, and they knew what they wanted. And it felt like there was a plan going into it and that they executed that plan. They didn't reach, you know, everybody's going, oh, the end, the end, we need that the end now. Well, they didn't take one because there wasn't one there that they, they felt fit what they wanted. And they got the players they wanted. I think they got a couple of players, you know, are steals who... I thought would have gone a bit sooner who they were able to get later on because of the patience that Ant meant mentioned. They didn't go crazy for anything. They knew what they wanted. They stuck to it. They got players in that I think will contribute straight away and make a big difference that will push starters who are already there. Uh, I just, I love this draft because there's, there's so much, there's, there's solid players in there that can go into the offensive line. There's, there's exciting players, you know, running back wide receivers who can go in and potentially make differences in games. And they just feel like they've hit different needs and they've hit them well. And they haven't, they haven't reached for anybody. And for me, it's, it's a good draft. It's solid. As we say now, we'll see how they actually go out onto the pitch. There's a big difference between us sitting here saying we like it to them boys going out and doing what they need to do. But for right now, where we stand, I, I love it. Like, just everything about it feels like they knew what they wanted, they got what they wanted, and we're on to the next step now to see where that takes us. Yeah, yeah Dave, uh, I love that. Uh, hey, Dave, I, that Dave, listen, Dave. I'm an American. I did, I did, it was a heat of the moment thing. It's all right. I know Dave. I know <laughs> Dave. Dave's a, re- Dave's, a, Dave's, a re- no, Dave's a really good guy. I know him really well. He's oh. a really good guy. All, all, I'll say, all I'll say to Dave is, Dave, there isn't only one queen in the world. There's loads of them. Yeah, that's what right, I meant. There's lo- that's exactly what said, man. I'm protecting my boy. There's uh, loads of queens. Don't disrespect been, anybody. Uh, it could have been worse. You could have said could have been like, Queen Latifah. Uh, could have been Queen Latifah. He could have said like F the king. So that could have been worse. So like with the coronation <laughs> coming oh, up. But oh like, yeah, then I wouldn't be allowed to fly over. You won't be allowed to fly else. over to the UK. But yeah, I know that's good. <laughs> I know that's going to be uh, that's another kind of ordeal. I still can't rem- imagine if we had that over here, and where when there was like a new president, we got a day off. Be class. <laughs> it would. It I, I lived in London. I lived in London when there was a wedding. When Meg, no, not the other one. Um, first the one. future king, whatever's the first one. Um, yeah. When they got married, <laughs> I got two days off work. I was oh. delighted. I was like, this is class. Thursday, Person- Friday off. Bro. Personally, the pre- the president's dog over here died, and I feel like we should have got a day off. Like I'm stunned we didn't. I'm stunned we didn't. Ridiculous. I'm actually disappointed in the government. That's disgusting. I know. So am I. So Dave, your country is doing something right. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you, I can tell you that much. But look, the last thing I just wanted to mention, obviously, with rookie mini camp coming up, we'll have obviously the the main 
kind of draft picks, but there will be quite a lot of other names that you'll hear of. Obviously, one of the key quarterbacks from the senior bill, Tyson Bajant, was from Shepard, was a guy at the Bears signed as a UDFA. I think there'll be a lot of people talking about him. There's a couple of other guys like Micah Baskerville, the kind of linebacker from LSU. We saw a guy, someone in the chat saying Andre Schmidt from uh, Syracuse. But you're going to see other guys like one of the guards, Gabe Huey from Pittsburgh, Jalen Harris from Arizona, Justin Bros from Oklahoma. But then there's going to be like 20 plus guys that are going in on a tryout basis. And normally one or two of those guys will end up getting signed and the UDFA that they originally signed gets cut. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on some of those guys because like we mentioned what was it three or four udfas made the 53 last year so there's always a possibility that that can happen this year so kind of stay locked in on that we will have a show or two next week we will kind of discuss any of the storylines that comes at, that come out of um rookie mini camp because again those are going to be interesting storylines as we move forward in this offseason program if you are listening to this back, make sure that you like the video. Everybody in the chat right now, there's still 43 of you. Please like the video. It helps us a lot with all the YouTube algorithms. More people get to see the show. Again, if you are not listening to this live, please do leave your comments. We do read them so then we can kind of get back to you guys as well. We do like to we do like to do that when we get some time. If there's a particular topic you want us to cover over the next while, do let us know. We have a, a lot of plans over the next, co- the next couple of weeks in terms of the show and kind of being able to preview this really important season for the Bears. So, look, we appreciate everybody that joined us for the draft, everybody that's joined us today. It's been a lot of fun. And, look, until next time, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.